Yo, 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 what's up, everybody? Big Sky Breakdown. Bunch of Big Sky Breakdowns coming at you. You already heard from Brooks Nuanez earlier this week. This is Coulter Nuanez. Each Thursday, we'll have an analysis-based podcast. Happy this year, once again, to be joined by my great friend, one of my great mentors, a guy who's taught me so much football, Ty Gregorak. Long-time assistant football coach and now not only an analyst at SkylineSportsMT.com, but also the color commentator for all Montana State's Big Sky Conference television broadcast. Congratulations to Ty. We're also going to hear from Andrew Houghton, one of our contributing writers at SkylineSportsMT.com. Get his take on the Grizz depth chart. We'll also get some of my takes on Montana State's football depth chart. And we'll hear from Sam Herter from Hero Sports. Can't thank enough all of our awesome sponsors this year at the Big Sky Breakdown and across Skyline Sports. Stayed up late getting all the deliverables prepared and writing all the contracts, but that's a really, really good thing. We couldn't do what we do without all of you, first and foremost, listening along, following along, reading along. But we also... I couldn't do what we do without all of our great sponsors, including Blackfoot Communications, who has helped us diversify all of our multimedia offerings. Town Pump, who's going to send us on the road each and every week. Town Pump by the Mile, a co-promotion between ESPN Montana and Skyline Sports. They'll be hooking us up with gas and snacks, keeping us on the road as we travel around to cover Montana, Montana State, and the rest of the Big Sky Conference. Also, thanks to Opportunity Bank, your local bank, your opportunity. Nick Tabor and Westpac Wealth, J&V Restaurant Supply, Alpine Touch, and of course, all the team members there at SkylineSportsMT.com. We'll get this thing kicked off this week with the best in the biz, Ty Gregorak, talking all things Montana, Montana State, and Big Sky Conference football. This is the Big Sky Breakdown. Blackfoot Communications just launched new business services delivering big value to smaller firms. With reliable voice, fast internet, business-grade Wi-Fi, and around-the-clock support, Blackfoot ensures you remain connected to your customers, employees, and communities throughout the day, every day. For more information, go to blackfootsmallbusiness.com. Connect to more with Blackfoot Communications. Well, it's the best time of year. We never like to wish time away around here at Skyline Sports, but it's been a great summer. Enjoyed it as much as any summer I've ever had living in the state of Montana. No smoke. Holy cow. Covering fall camp without any smoke. What a beautiful thing that was. And now here we are, game week for both Montana and Montana State. The Grizzlies get things kicked off for the Big Sky teams in Montana. 1 p.m. Northwestern State coming to Missoula. Then the Bobcats open with a gold rush Saturday night with McNeese State coming to town. Big Sky Breakdown, SkylineSportsMT.com. We'll be joined each and every week by our uh, normal list of contributors and analysts, including the guy who joins us now, Ty Gregorak, longtime coach throughout the state of Montana, both Montana and Montana State. And now, this is cool that we can officially say it on this podcast, new color commentator for all Bobcat football games during conference play, What's up, Ty? Thanks for joining us, and uh, congratulations, man. That's very cool that you're going to be on the TV call here pretty soon. I appreciate it, Coulter. It's, uh, yeah, it, it's exciting. I, uh, the conversation started months ago, actually, uh, and uh, honestly, I was a little hesitant about it just because, you know, in my in my new life, it's been pretty awesome to have weekends and get to <laughs> right. football games and get, get to watch football games and... Um, but no, it, 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 you know, just the way it worked out with my son's flag football schedule and just life in general, it, it's going to be awesome. I get to be around the game and get to go to every game. I, we already have season tickets, so Candace is just going to have to take one of the kids and take take turns. But, 
it, it, it was also kind of cool. Like early on, I thought it was every game, and that's just not not the case. Like you just said, it's only the conference games minus UC Davis because that's the ESPN game. This sure. Year. So um, no, it'll, it'll be great. It just it worked out well with uh, with my striker stuff and work and my kids' schedule and life and uh, I'm fired up to be part of the team. It's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see how this all works because I know it's been an interesting transition and uh, you know ABC Fox SWX did a great job with the games that they've had for the last uh, year, number of years, and Root Sports did a great job as well. But now the uh, Big Sky Conference, for those that haven't been following along, they signed a conference-wide deal with Scripps Media, and so that gets all Bobcat and Grizz Big Sky Conference games on MTN Sports around the uh, state of Montana. So Ty, he'll be there on KBZK, uh, your CBS affiliate there uh, in Bozeman, and then all the Grizz games will be on KPAX here in Missoula, uh, your CBS affiliate here uh, in the Garden City as well. And I'm excited to see what the – production and everything is like because i know that they are uh they're using a lot of the production company that root sports was using and so i think it's going to be a pretty high quality deal and i think that the the commentary teams are going to be great you know and we got connections on both sides with marty mornaway who joins me every monday on my daily radio show nuan is now on espn radio and swx television and uh now we got coach ty calling the bobcat games as well so uh this will be fun when you first got into coaching did you ever expect you were going to be the guy in the booth <laughs> I, I, I also, I also didn't think I'd be in the, the medical either. So, um, it, listen, it's been uh, it's been a lot of fun the last few years. I got out right at forty years old, or, or I turned forty that fall. I'll be forty four here uh, in a couple of weeks, and um, no, it's been, it's been a fun transition. I've got to coach Jackson's flag football team each of the last few years. We have our first practice again tonight. Like I said, I've got to go to a lot of football games. I've gone to both Bobcat and Grizz games. Um, started getting season tickets, uh, just two of them uh, last year. So we went to every, I think we went to everyone but one. I think we were gone for a game, but um, I mean, it was fun to watch that ride and, and, and a first year staff uh, go all the way to Frisco, Texas. And um, so no, it, it's been a fun transition. And no, I did not think that I would be doing this, but I got to tell you, uh, you know, you mentioned Groot. Uh, my first year out, I did get to do some games with right. Groot and, and loved it. I mean, I, I really did. And, and uh, you know, we originally talked about me doing games for them. I thought Root did a good job. I mean, I, I thought the production was really good. I love Tom Glasgow, and, and those guys do such a great job. I was bummed, personally bummed to see Root go just because I thought it was so good for the big sky. And um, obviously it was, it was pretty uh, Montana, Montana State heavy. Um, but you look at the, you know, you look at the alumni bases and how spread out those two schools in particular, and those two, two schools, you know, have had a, a great deal of success over the years. But I really did think Root was a good thing for the conference in general, and you know, not, no, knowing that every Bobcat and every Grizz game will get to be televised against all those uh, opponents from around the league, I, I still think it'll be a great thing. And and I'm I'm with you. I just hope the production's great, and I know we're going to work hard to. Do a good, do a good show for each 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 game, and um, you know, my, my weirdly, my first one will be at at Keene, Eastern Washington, which is where it was uh, a few years ago when I was doing Root as well. So many 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 trips to Cheney, Washington over the last twenty years. Culture. So <laughs> might as might as well go back, which is, you know, for me obviously it's fun too because I'm from Spokane. But no, I'm fired up. It'll be it'll be it'll be fun to watch a few games. Candace and I are going to get to go to Las Vegas here. Uh, next week for my birthday and see Motley Crue at Allegiant Stadium. Nice. And then I think uh, the Bobcats are on the road that following week against Oregon State, and then we'll do our first conference game there the 24th. 
Blackfoot Communications continues to lift up our local entrepreneurs, delivering the resources needed to transform ideas into businesses. Our C2M beta program was founded with the mission to connect local entrepreneurs to more. With access to more professional expertise, more state-of-the-art technology, and more development resources, our 12-week program delivers the foundational and modern skills required to transform influential ideas into thriving businesses. Apply today at goblackfoot.com slash apply very good well we'll be uh, we'll be there on the red that uh, that weekend of the 24th as well that should be a fun one then we're going to take the uh, the caravan for skyline sports over to seattle and check out uh, troy anderson uh the atlanta falcons playing out the seattle seahawks the day after montana state plays at cheney so that'll be a fun little trip uh as well ty we'll start there in terms of the football talk i know you're a big nfl guy as well and uh it's been just so fun watching the guys from the Montana schools, particularly the, the Bobcats that helped lead the team to the national championship game this last year, really cut their teeth in the NFL. And, uh, you know, I was talking to Lance McCutcheon yesterday. I had him on my radio show, and he was – I was telling him it, it was sort of a, a moment where I was like, man, I actually am getting old because I remember covering Lance when he was a junior in high school at Bozeman High playing basketball, and now I'm watching him on, you know, Saturday night football riding up next to Cooper Cup. It's pretty crazy to watch. But, I mean, for you, a guy that was at Montana State when those guys first came in, I mean, that must be thrilling and also make you very proud to see those guys getting reps in NFL games. And I mean, Troy Anderson's probably going to start. So uh, pretty impressive so far by the former Bobcats in the league. Well, it's incredible. I mean, it just goes to show you where the program is at. You, you and I both know going back to, I mean, obviously you've covered the Grizz for so long. But, uh, you know, when we were rolling there at Montana, when I say rolling, I mean, they're, they're, no one's rolled, I'm air quoting rolled, like, like the Bison have done the last decade, but we were winning a lot of football games and in, in, in contention for national championships, essentially every other year or, uh, there in the, in the 2000s. And we were putting out two to four guys, uh, you know, almost every year, at least consistently. And so that shows you where the where the bobcat program is when you get a couple guys drafted and yeah. a couple few more get free agent deals and i i you know i spend a lot of time in, in the car so i'm listening to a lot of these pundits some are saying that lance mccutcheon is having the best preseason of any rookie in the nfl right and his and his number and his numbers can prove that uh you know to, to for a local kid to come in on a partial scholarship who was you know essentially a baby giraffe you know a few years ago to turn himself into just a dude for one, you know, and that's, and that's what I love about these guys that stick it out. And, you know, he, he stuck it out and he wasn't always the dude because he's behind guys like Travis Johnson and, and some other playmakers, but he finally gets his chance to senior year and does nothing but goes out and shines. And sure enough, he's, he's, he's getting to make waves right now with the defending Super Bowl championship champions and doing a great job. Troy Anderson, like when I watched Troy, Troy exactly looks exactly the way he should look to me. He's still so raw, Coulter. For sure. Raw, you know, it, 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 he, he was asked to do so many things at Montana State that he's still a raw, he, he looks like a new linebacker. But what he what the Falcons knew they were getting was a big, strong, fast, smart athlete. And that's why they took a chance on him uh, at such a high, high pick there in the second round. But Troy, Troy's going to be a dude. It's just when you watch him. You know, it's the same same thing. You know, it looked like his last year at, at Montana State. He would flash, and then yep. there's certain times you're watching. You're like, oh boy, I think he lost his eyes on that one, and he's all over the place. But he's just so gifted athletically that he can make up for it. Um, but he'll he'll figure it out. And then you know, I, I 
I recruited Lewis Kidd out of Totino Grace there in northern Minneapolis, and, and uh, to see him get an opportunity. I actually don't get to see him much, but I just follow his, his mother on social media, sure. Sue Ann, and so uh, the lovely Miss Sue Ann posts something uh, almost every day, so I, I get to follow him, and, and then, uh, you know, Kevin Cassis was in the camp and doing a nice job with the Seahawks, and um, I know Trey, I think Trey was just cut. But, yep, Trey uh, Webb again, just got cut, just, yep. Just shows, it just shows you where the program is at when you're t- when we're talking about multiple dudes on the same hand from the same team from an FCS school, um, you know, that team. And again, I was a part of that, you know, kind of that rebuild. That team last year was built to go make a run, and they just came up a little, a little bit short. Yeah, I mean, it's crazy to really think about. I was uh, I was talking to Callahan O'Reilly about this. There's only 19 schools in the whole country that have to replace two drafted defensive players. Those schools are like Ohio State, Alabama, Georgia, Utah, Florida, Texas A&M, and then Montana State. It's amazing that they had two guys on the same defense drafted. But back to Troy Anderson, too. I mean, it's so fascinating watching him because you're right. He is so raw, but he also, like when you watch him, he he's – still the fa- the fastest guy on the field. I mean, he'll overrun a play and then stop in the dirt and still be able to make a chase down, even though he went the complete wrong direction for a full three seconds. It's amazing to watch his speed. I mean, his speed is translating uh, even better than I thought it was going to. He's so fast. I mean, it, it, you just it's hard to uh, explain it unless you're kind of on, at ground level and see it in person like, like you and I both have got to for a fan sitting up you know, 25 rows up and, and looking down, you know, he look he looks, I mean, no question he is fast, but it's just different when you're on the field and he, he'll fit right in to, to that level of play on Sundays. He's just got, he's just going to learn the nuances of being a linebacker. I and mean, he essentially played only linebacker for one year. And so, I mean, I've used the term raw with him in, 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 talk, in talking about him with you for the last six months, each time we've talked since the draft, like, hey, he's gonna, they're getting an unbelievable athlete. And, and it's what, what's between the ears that's so special. I mean, Troy is a, you tell him once, you probably don't have to ever tell him again, but it's just linebacker. There's so many nuances, and really it starts with your eyes. He's a fantastic athlete. They're all fantastic athletes on Sundays, but, it, but his eyes have to be perfect on every play, and, and he'll get it. figured out. Ty Gregor, joining us here on the Big Sky Breakdown. SkylightSportsMT.com. Thanks to all of our awesome sponsors at the Big Sky Breakdown, including Blackfoot Communications, Opportunity Bank, Nick Tabor at Westpac Wealth, and Elevate Nutrition. Appreciate all those great sponsors for being a part of everything that we're going to be putting together for you here uh, in the fall. Uh, Ty, let's talk about the Bobcats, since that's what you're going to be on the color for. Uh, it's been an interesting and fascinating offseason because – I think that Montana State achieved at a higher level than anybody could have thought possible last year with their rebound after the rivalry loss and their run through the playoffs, their appearance in Frisco, and uh, just right on the precipice of a national championship. Uh, Yet I think it was a humbling experience for them the way that their season ended last year as it has ended in 2018 and 2019 at the hands of the North Dakota State Bison. So uh, Montana State both has a lot of momentum to capitalize on coming out of last year. But also they hit that brick wall that is NDSU one more time. So uh, what have you thought of just kind of following along the Bobcat offense or off season, I should say, and uh, just where they're at as a program? Because this is a huge pivotal year. To me, I kind of consider this year one under Brett Vegan. Last year, I think he, he did a great job of steering the ship and kind of staying out of the way. And now uh, he has a chance to put his stamp on the program. Uh, but it's a tall task when you lose I think nine all-conference players and multiple drafted guys at the NFL, that's a lot of talent to replace, but it's been an interesting offseason so far, to say the least, at MSU. 
No question. And, and when you go back to last season, they had a very, very uh, favorable schedule as well. I mean, I, yep. I, I think if you if you look at their signature wins uh, at Cheney, um, and then and then when when they went on the road and beat Weber State that night, that was a huge win. That, huge. that was kind of a that was kind of a okay. You know, we we've we've beat the teams who we were supposed to beat, and now we've beaten the teams that. Um, you know, people people questioned, and frankly, you know, you take a series or two uh, out of that Wyoming game, and they're beating a, a Mountain West team as well. You know, so they had a fantastic run, and then I mean, the storylines you, you almost can't write it uh, to get to get their butts kicked in Missoula after winning that game four four years in a row, pulling the starting quarterback who had started games in the ACC. And going with a freshman uh, out of Butte, Montana, that then puts a, puts the team on his shoulders and rides it all the way to Frisco. Uh, I mean, listen, yeah, the Montana State Bobcats have hit a brick wall, that being NDSU, for the last few years. But there's been lots of other teams that that, that seasons have sure come to an end <laughs> right. uh, over the last last decade to the to the green and, and yellow. Um, so it was a great run. Um, they lost a lot of dudes. That, that's going to be. I mean, some of these guys are just, I mean, that's college football culture. You and I both know you've got to replace dudes every year. But, man, they're replacing some guys that have been in the program a long time. Right. Um, you know, there, there's some, we didn't even talk about the Taylor Tuiasa Sopos and Amandre Williams and the Chase Bensons. The right. guys that also bell cow type guys that, that, that aren't getting an opportunity on Sundays, but that probably at least could, should have gotten a look. Sure. And so, um, I mean, listen. You got to give Coach Vegan credit. He definitely, he definitely got you know in terms of a, the co- the cupboard being full or empty. It was a pretty it was a pretty nice looking cupboard. There's no question about it. Yeah. In true in, in true Bobcat form, since the Dakota Pru Cup, uh, the quarterback I and mean, quarterbacks kind of been the. I was listening to one of your shows over the last. I I I I, I go a while without listening culture, and then I listen to like eight shows in a row. <laughs> I love and, it. It's just been a revolving door of quarterbacks, quarterback coaches, offensive coordinators, and I, which is just amazing to me because I was on the other side for so long facing the Daenerys McGee's and Dakotas and um, Travis Lulay. Going back, going, going back to tra- all the way back to Travis, you know, and so facing so many great Bobcat quarterbacks over the years, it's just shocking that it's a revolving door. Now, that being said, I think they've got their guy. I really do. A yep. year ago, I would have been like, oh, I don't know. He's, you know, <laughs> I, don't, I didn't want to call him Troy because Troy was such a good athlete at being asked to play quarterback. But I think this guy, uh, and I'm not I'm not going to sit here and say he's, you know, a, a well-oiled machine at quarterback, but you know what he is? He's a leader. Yep. He's, a, he's a good athlete, and He's smart. He's kind of an old soul, and that you know, I think he, he's a very mature young man. Um, I haven't been around him much, other than you know, after some practices, and he's just so dang engaging with with the kids. And my son already is. My son's already got a Tommy shirt, you know, like a, a lot of kids in this area. And um, he's just, I, I, I'm rooting for the kid. I really am. So I, I hope that they've. Honestly, it could it could be perfect because you know it's a it's a volatile position. What they're going to ask him to do, you know, he's going to carry the ball, which he should, because he's a dynamic ball handler when he's got the ball. So, it, to me, it'll be nice to actually not only have a dude, but then have a guy uh, 
behind him that will probably still play as well and a guy that's got some experience at the next level um, in the Chambers gig. So I think, I think in, on paper, in theory, that position looks pretty good right now. I mean, at least, at least maybe not as big of a question mark as it's been going into, I don't know, the last six or seven seasons at Montana State. Would you agree with that, Colter? Yeah, for sure. And, and that, it is really interesting, the dichotomy, because, you know, in my time, I, I remember when I first – so my family's not from Montana, right? And so I – I only got into college football when I started going to games in Missoula when I was like 13, 14 years old with a couple buddies. My parents had never really been into the Grizz or anything. They ended up getting into the Grizz because my bunch of my best friends played and then my brother played and all that. But, you know, when I was a kid, I only went to maybe two or three Grizz games before I was like 13 or 14. I remember the first time I ever went to a Grizz game, and it was the Grizz-Cat game in 2002 – uh, when Montana State snapped the streak and Travis Lule is a true freshman. And I remember thinking, wow, there's another team from Montana that's pretty cool and pretty fun to follow as well. But it is interesting, though, over those 21 years now, uh, since I've had both teams on my radar, Montana State has had no okay quarterbacks. They've only had three of the best guys I've ever seen in Travis Lule, Daenerys McGee, and Dakota Prukoff. And uh, then one of the most unorthodox guys I've ever seen in Troy Anderson, and then a whole bunch of other guys that were not even close to being good. It's so funny that they've never even had uh, an okay guy. Uh, but I'm so interested about Tommy Malott because regardless of what he's going to be this year, I think he's going to be as good as he could be this year, if that makes sense. I think that he has the makeup to be dedicated to it. I think that he is the type of kid that's absolutely going to put in the work. I don't think you ever have to worry about him. I think you have to worry about him putting in too much work is actually what I really think. I think that he's one of those guys that's like such an overachiever that, you know, he'll work out and, and watch film and do all of it for 12 hours a day if you let him do it. Yeah. I think Brett Vegan summed it up really well yesterday, though, on my radio show. He said, what we just need is we need all of Tommy Malott's experiences to catch up with how dang smart he is because he's got the acumen. He's got the brain power. He, he just needs to have the in-game experiences just become second nature. Because you can't learn that kind of stuff until you've actually played in games. And even though he's so talented and he took the country by storm last year, his game time is very limited. I mean, he hasn't started a regular season game still to this day. So uh, I, I do think that there's still a learning curve to be had. But I know internally they couldn't be more confident in the kid. I, I think they think they have uh, a transcendent talent. I think they think they have you know, the absolute answer and the guy who's going to be their guy for the next several years. Well, and like you said, too, uh, it's, it's between the ears and in the chest that this kid's got. And if, 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 they, were putting, if they were making contracts on, for college football players, it, pro- it probably wouldn't have to have a stipulation in uh, Tommy's contract that he would watch four hours <laughs> That's right. each week. That's right. Uh, like, like, like guys making a uh, hundred plus million. Yeah, no, he, he's a dude. He's a, he's exactly what you want in a quarterback in terms of all the other attributes of quarterback play. Before, before we keep talking the cats, can I just mention too, on one of your shows, you actually compared Jay Cutler and Peyton Manning and in, in, you even, you talked about him in the same sentence <laughs> about how Jay, how Jay could throw a big, beautiful ball and Peyton, Peyton never really threw it the, the best ball in the NFL, but he's a first ballot Hall of Famer. Two things there. Jay Cutler wasn't as bad as people think. True. Uh, let's, let's just go. Let's go. Let's go. Talk, t- name me the great Chicago Bear quarterbacks. Go. Isn't that the funniest? Jay Cutler might be the greatest quarterback in Chicago Bears history, even though he's never really been that good. <laughs> and I love me. Like anybody, anybody who 
you know, is old enough to remember Jim McMahon. Jim McMahon was a dude because he was Jim McMahon. But Jim McMahon also played quarterback with the greatest defense maybe ever in the NFL. Right. And the greatest running back in NFL history, too. Exactly. You can't deny the best uh, defense in the NFL and and, and a a thing called sweetness, Coulter. Sweetness. So, um, anyway, yeah, I was listening to your show and I was like, Jay Cutler and Peyton Manning in the same sentence. Well, let's, let's, let's dive into that one a little bit. I think the Cats... It would be interesting. Again, I think I think minus Oregon State, who who looks like they, they're actually a little more talented and, and better than yeah. maybe they've been in a while. And obviously, you and I know a lot of those guys uh, on that staff. And I worked with a lot of those dudes, and you covered a lot of those guys uh, with, with their time with the Grizz. And I, I, I think the, the non-conference schedule actually looks pretty favorable for, for the Cats this year as well. I mean, you and I were talking before the show. Anytime you get Southland teams to come up to the Rockies, yep. and I don't care I don't care if it's November, early December, it's favorable just because of the travel for those guys. They, those Southland teams usually don't travel that far. Right. Um, just because their, their conference isn't spread out as, as ours is, even though it's expanding, I guess, too. But, um, you know, I just I think, I think that... In theory, they should they should have a nice September, and you know who, who knows what will happen in Corvallis or is the game in Corvallis or did you say that it's in downtown Portland? So that's an interesting yeah. fold because there's going to be a lot of Montana State people there, I think. No doubt, no, and there should be, but um, you know, so that game, I mean, that, that game on paper should be a loss, but I mean, hopefully they just go play well and, and come out healthy, and then you know, I, I think that first game there in Cheney for every game really 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 counting at that point um should should line up pretty good for the bobcats so you just gotta stay healthy i mean like like anything during a football season man you gotta coach good play good and and give a little bit of luck and, and try to keep your guys as healthy as possible so that, that's the only thing you ever worry about by, by uh, signing up to play those those uh, power five schools there's a lot of things that make montana great from the mountains and lakes to some of the finest towns in the west But what really makes this place special is you. Our communities are full of people who are working hard to build good lives and remarkable things. At Opportunity Bank, our passion is helping folks do just that. Together, we can make a good thing even better. Opportunity Bank of Montana. Stop by and see us or visit us online. Member FDIC. Big Sky Breakdown, SkylineSportsMT.com. Ty Gregory joining us. It's presented in part by Opportunity Bank. Opportunity Bank, your local bank, your opportunity. Uh, Ty, let's, i got two more things to talk to you about. So first of all, what's your thoughts on the Grizz? Because this has been the hardest Grizz camp to analyze I've ever covered. And I think that's a testament to two things. One, how consistently they operate. Uh, I mean, the practices, I tease Coach Houck all the time. You could take a time machine back to 2004, and the first hour of practice looks exactly the same as it did 18 or 19 years ago, which is fascinating. Uh, but also, do, 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 do they still go to Dornblazer culture? They do go to Dornblazer, and it's you know special team circuits into individual, yeah. into some tackling, into some pursuit. Does back he jog? to oh, he jogs every day. <laughs> yeah, no, you're right. No, nothing's changed in almost twenty years. Then. Uh... Yeah, no, it's it, it, it. Bob, listen, Bobby believes in his. I, I listened to when you had him on, whatever it was, a week or two ago, and you asked him what, or maybe it was Sean. What are your questions? And he goes, I don't have any questions. So he obviously feels very confident about his team. He should feel confident. I mean, I, again, quarterback, uh, offensive line. Um, I think the defense 
you know, under, they've been with Coach Bear now forever. I mean, you're not going to, you'd be hard pressed to find a defense that flies to the ball and, and, in my opinion, understands their assignment and gap responsibility better than, than the Grizz defense. They're really, really good on defense. And yeah. Did they, did they lost a couple guys? Absolutely. But they returned some dudes that have been in that system now four or five plus years uh, with COVID. So, I don't know. I think, I, I mean, I, I understand what, what, what people might think of, of Bobby for saying, you know, I, I don't have any questions. Um, you know, last year, special teams and the specialists were a big question mark. They did all right. That's well, right. <laughs> they, they've got one of the best special teams coaches in the country. So um, I, I, I think I think the Grizz are in, in great shape um, to make a nice run this year. I, I, I really do. So... I'm excited to watch how uh, these first few weeks play out and, and as we get into the conference. But, I mean, again, non-conference looks pretty dang, pretty dang good for the Grizz in my mind. So, and and I just think, you know, when, once you've been in a system and continuity, I think it's such a – I know that some, some programs need to shake up at times, but, but continuity, continuity is also a real thing, culture. And these guys have had – essentially, they've had the same position coach their whole time. Minus a couple exceptions, um, and, and they've got some great new additions between Roger. Rogers, Rogers, one of the best guys in this league, uh, just in terms of a person, and he was a great player, and he's a good ball coach. And then to add, you know, Rob Fennessy um, as an analyst. I'm air quoting again because I know that's his official title, but <laughs> get an offensive guy on an already unbelievably veteran and seasoned staff. I mean, they just—you're not going to find a better staff in, in, in FCS football, man. For sure. Opinion. For sure. The one thing I want to ask you about, I know you haven't been over to watch Grizz practice, but it, it, the thing that's been so interesting about trying to analyze it is they are so good on defense. I mean, they know the scheme like the back of their hand. They go three deep across the board, and, and it's not a big drop when you get your ones, twos, or threes in there. They fly to the ball. They can all play together. All their safeties can play all three spots. All their linebackers can play all three spots. It's really, really impressive to watch. But I don't know how much better – their offense gets going against it because it's such an unorthodox scheme and you have this new offensive line that's trying to cut their teeth and prove that they belong. You got a new quarterback who hasn't been in the program. You got a bunch of wide receivers who are all sophomores trying to have some competition. And then you got a bunch of young running backs, including one guy coming back from an injury. I don't. I just haven't been able to gauge any progress from Montana's offense because they just get their asses kicked so much during practice. So, I mean, what do you think just generally? I know you haven't watched them much, but just the general give and take. I mean, is it a good or bad thing for the Grizz offense to be going against such a salty defense every single day? I think, I think it's a great thing to go against uh, a defense like that. I also think that as camp probably wore on and – um, practices starting to, started to get closed, and some of those scrimmages were closed. I would imagine because 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 their defense is so it's not. I don't want to say it's you know outlandishly funky, but it is it is different. I would imagine what they started doing, especially as, as camp started wearing on, they, they started having periods where it, it kind, of, kind of like kind of like defensively, where if you had a Cal Poly in the old days, or you had a true four and five wide, you know, spread. Uh, up-tempo team you started you started uh breaking up into scout teams and, and and trying to simulate simulate it that way or you would stay good on good and the defense would have to start giving northwestern state looks etc and the offense had to start giving because because coach bear's defense is 
probably a lot different than what they're going to see in in, uh, in northwestern state. So I would imagine that's what Bobby started doing towards you know the middle to end of camp and, and started looking towards that first game and maybe even that second game if it's if there's any funkiness to it. But but yeah, it's it's hard it's hard just simulating uh, the looks because of all the different things that Coach Bear does with his defense. But I also think that. You know, when you're practicing against probably the best defense you're going to face all year, that's that's only going to make you better. Even though at times it's got to be really, really frustrating too. I mean, trust me, there were times when, you know, Jordan Johnson, you know, I'm, I, we're practicing against Jordan Johnson, and he's just you know slicing and dicing us. I'm like, okay, this sucks. Uh, right, I'll call it. I'm but you're also going, okay, this is making us better too. You know, so. Um, no, I, I, I would I would imagine towards the end of camp they, they started going a lot of good on good, but just trying to show different looks at Northwestern State was going to give them that, that their own offense and defense couldn't simulate for them. Ty Gregorak here on the Big Sky Breakdown, presented in part by Nick Tabor and Westpac Wealth. You need any sort of financial advice. You need to learn how to plan for your future. You want to make your life more tax efficient. Give Nick and his team a call today. Uh, last thing for you, Ty, you coached in the Big Sky for 15-plus years, and there was oftentimes crossovers with the Southland Conference, both in the regular season and the postseason. And you and I were chatting before we got started with this call. And, uh, you know, if you were to rewind the clock to 2003 and Northwestern State was coming to Missoula and McNeese State was coming to uh, Bozeman, you'd think, wow, top 25 matchups. And now, you know, th- those two teams are fine. They're both FCS opponents. But let's be frank, it's money games for Montana, Montana State. I mean, they're buying home opening wins, essentially. And if they got upset, I think it would be a gigantic surprise on either end. Uh, But it's just interesting to think of where the Southland is. And I think there's a huge influence there in the rise of FBS programs. I think that you're not seeing hardly any recruits missed in Texas and Louisiana anymore. And part of that's because I think there's 11 FBS programs in Texas now. I think that there's... You know, a handful in Louisiana, not just LSU, but you got Louisiana Lafayette and you got, you know, a couple others. And so I think that the, the talent hasn't trickled downhill nearly as much like it does out west, where you don't have much after the Pac 12 and the Mountain West. And you wonder how much that's impacted the Southland, but I know that there's also been just the, the allure of moving up. I mean, there's been a lot of teams that have moved from the Southland up to the FBS to play in Conference USA or whatever. Uh, league they might land in so uh, what do you think just generally of sort of the the dichotomy and just the fact that uh, the Southland is not a power conference uh, in the FCS level anymore and these are not powerhouse games to open up the season yeah it's, it's too bad because I, I think the Southland uh, you know for for fans and guys that have covered it or coached in these type of games um, like us the Southland has always been known for having great talent and athleticism and you're always worried about matchups because of speed and and different things um i personally still like these matchups because they're playing fcs schools i i i feel like you and i have talked about this the last few years i'm not a, i'm not a believer in playing down and, and i mean you, you mentioned one of the teams that portland state has got on the schedule that i've never even heard of i've never heard of the team right so if i'm a fan or if i'm a player i'm going Okay, we're playing who? Uh, now, I know that there are schools that need those money games, um, but I still, I still don't, I still don't like it. So I, I've always kind of been a believer of playing your level. So I think it's cool that we're that we're both schools are playing FCS teams from from different parts of the country, so the, the, you know, south of this in this case. So um, it'll be interesting. I mean, McNeese 
even if McNeese isn't McNeese the way you and I think of it, it's still McNeese State, which right. once was a proud program. You know, back in the day, they used to sell out that stadium, and it was one of the great venues in all of SCS. For sure, Western States had their runs too. We, you know, we've been we we've played played these programs in the playoffs multiple times, and so I, I think it's great for Week One matchups again. To me, whether it's September or the end of the season, I just like getting getting teams that have to travel a long way um, because it's just it's, it's different for them. So um, I, I I hope both are great games. I hope I hope uh, I hope both teams up here cut it loose and really kind of give give each each fan base a preview to what's to come, which which in, in theory could be you know a couple of, uh, another couple of nice runs for both programs. So I'm fired up for this weekend. What time, what time is what time is the Grizz game? I know uh, Grizz game kicks at one. Bobcat game kicks at six. Yeah, yeah. So, so, so the Bobcat Nation over here will already know uh, that, the, that the Grizz won by the time uh, they're kicking off over here at six o'clock. Should be an awesome night. Like you and you and I were talking before the show. What an amazing summer. I mean, uh, hopefully it stays. Uh, all fall. There is no better place in the world than fall in Montana. <laughs> no, fall it's true, Montana. man. I know we can get our early snows and stuff, but man, uh, you'd be—I've been doing games up here now, coach on both sides, and just being a part of it for. Well, it'll be 20 years next year, I guess. So 2003 was my first year at Montana, but I can only count on one hand how many crappy weather games we had. You know what I mean? Like, it's just falls are an incredible time in Montana, and it's a great time for for football. I know people are itching for it, and. No more restrictions around the country, and I think it's going to be an awesome season for college football. As was, man, I mean, a lot of us were watching college football uh, last week, and some fun games started to start watching. Nebraska, the big red, the big red, man. I mean, it just breaks my heart to see that happen again and God. again and again. It's just and over again. and over. It's crazy. It's, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I mean, you could kind of give the guy an attaboy, like, wow, you. You, you, you're always competitive, but you're always competitive in losing, you know. So, <laughs> yeah, uh, the gold, the gold, the golden sun has returned to give uh, the, the Husker fan base close games, but not wins. I bet they wish they had Bo Pelini back. No kidding, right? Frank Solich, both those guys were winning nine, ten games every all year. They, all they did was, I don't think Frank's, or I don't think uh, Bo Pelini ever lost less than nine games in a season. Right, crazy. And they. They fired him because they didn't like his attitude. So, <laughs> he was winning. That's right. So, but no, man, it's going to be a great football season. I'm fired up to. Are, are, are we? Uh, I mean, we're kind of like coworkers now. That's we're right. Like, you're you're officially a media guy now. Yeah, you're not just a contributor on this humble little podcast. Now you're actually a TV star. So, well, I, I uh, as BJ Robertson said, uh, you know, he, he believes that he has a face for uh, radio and that I actually have a face for TV. I don't believe that. My jaw, my jaw, like, will take up a good chunk of the, <laughs> you know, like, three quarters of the TV. So, uh, I'm excited. I actually get to meet Ben and Ashley. We're all hooking up, uh, hooking up for a bite on Friday before uh, the, the game on Saturday. So, it'll be fun to meet those guys and gals and start talking through the season. And, yeah, man, I'm, I'm just fired up and I, I look forward to hopefully getting to talk to you each week or every other week like we've been doing and talking ball, man. So well, about all I got, Coulter. There you go. He's Ty Gregorak. You can find him on the call for each and every Bobcat Big Sky Conference home game on, uh, I guess, home and away game, all Big Sky Conference games from Montana State on MTN Sports and the Scripps uh, Network. Thanks for joining us, Ty. Appreciate you being here. Thank you, Coulter. Look forward to seeing you soon, buddy.
Part of the glory of building a business comes from leaving a legacy to ensure your business continues thriving into the future. Have you asked yourself lately, what is your plan? Forming a personalized business succession plan is essential to know the passion you put into your business will carry on. Nick Tabor at Westpac Wealth is here to help you navigate all your business succession and retirement planning needs. Give Nick a call at 728-6699 and keep the spirit of possibility vibrant while making your future more tax efficient with a personalized business succession and retirement plan for you. So when you're me, this is the advantage of living with uh, one of your uh, content creators. And uh, for your content creator, like I'm sitting here with Andrew Houghton, uh, this is the worst part about living with me because I just make him interrupt his whole work night and just make him record a podcast with me. Because sometimes we just, you know, start talking about something. And I'm like, well, we're going to talk about this same thing tomorrow, either on the radio or on the Big Sky Breakdown podcast. So let's just record it right now. Coulter Nuanas coming to you from... Uh, what, can we say this is like the Skyline Sports headquarters now? Yeah, I think it officially is. We've been uh, having multiple residencies uh, throughout the state. But uh, I know a controversial topic for a lot of you out there, but we live in Missoula now. Both my brother and I own houses here. And uh, it's as plain and simple as that. This is the only place we could afford a house between Missoula and Bozeman. And uh, that's where our dear mother lives. So we had to be here to you know take care of her and stuff. So... You know, regardless, we're on a tangent already. We were looking at the depth chart for both Montana and Montana State. I'll give you some thoughts about the Bobcats for a minute, uh, in a minute, I should say. Uh, but we're going to just break down this uh, Grizz depth chart here uh, on your Tuesday night. University of Montana opens up with Northwestern State on Saturday afternoon. Uh, One o'clock kickoff, supposed to be 94 degrees. Hydrate. Don't mix the alcohol side. <laughs> I'm just trying to give you the, the advice. You know, I used to be a veteran tailgater. I, I no longer partake. But uh, one of the most fun things you can do in Missoula, I, I would say the most fun thing you can do in Missoula is go to a Grizz game on a beautiful September Saturday. But uh, take it easy out there. Uh, so we'll go through the depth chart here uh, for the Grizz. Thanks to our great sponsors uh, here at the Big Sky Breakdown, including Town Pump. Town Pump's going to get us from here to there all season uh Long, I appreciate them. We got a town pump by the mile promotion coming up that will tell you once September uh, begins. Also, thanks to Opportunity Bank, Blackfoot Communications, Nick Tabor at Westpac Wealth, uh, Alpine Touch. Uh, a bunch of great sponsors for us here at the Big Sky Breakdown uh, this fall. And we'll keep telling you about all of them uh, as the season progresses. Andrew Houghton's our producer at ESPN Radio and uh, contributing writer covering the Grizz. He had a great feature up there right now. On SkylineSportsMT.com, all about Ed McCaffrey and uh, Bo Baldwin. Very uh, interesting, a juxtaposition to be sure. And uh, two second-year coaches with a lot different narratives around their programs, a lot different levels of fame, and a lot of different levels of success. And the fame and success do not go hand-in-hand. Anyways, let's talk about this Grizz depth chart. I will just go position by position. Uh, Quarterback, Lucas Johnson is the starter. Chris Brown's the backup. There's nothing uh, that was really uh, surprising there. Bobby Houck tried to say there was a quarterback competition, but uh, there never never really was. Lucas Johnson was the number one guy since the day he stepped on campus. Yeah, and I think that narrative really emerged uh, as people saw things happen during fall camp. I mean, Lucas Johnson was getting the reps. Lucas Johnson was the guy with the first team – you know, are you surprised at all to see Chris Brown at number two? Well, this is interesting uh, because I, I, I won't say names, but I talked to some people in the program about Chris Brown and about the way that last year ended when uh, Chris Brown wasn't able to hack it in the, the semifinal game against James Madison. And um, they had to go with Robbie Patterson. The Grizz had to go with Robbie Patterson down the stretch. 
And I think there was a lot of people in the program that thought Chris Brown was going to leave in the offseason. And Chris Brown didn't, and he fought through, and uh, now he's kind of on the rise. And easy to forget, I mean, the kid has all the talent in the world, and he's still only a redshirt sophomore. So, uh, you know, the fact that he fought through it and stuck around, and they brought a transfer in over him, and he still won the backup job, I, I mean, I, I think it's a testament to Chris Brown. Yeah, I think so, possibly. I mean, the thing about Chris Brown is that Chris Brown uh, in, in the past has looked better during in a fall camp setting, right? He looks better, you know, throwing the ball without pads on, right, than a lot of other guys. Yeah. So I think there's a lot of that that plays into it. I'm also just wondering if this is how they're starting the season because he's the guy who's been there, right? Like that sure. that's something that Bobby Houck likes to do. If you If you've been there early in the season – He'll put you in that spot and For sure. see, see how it plays out in practice as we go through the season. Well, then you got two redshirt freshmen who are actually both really talented as well, at AJ Abbott and Daniel Britt, and that's how you keep them battling as well. There is a uh, there's a method to to Bobby Houck's madness for sure. Uh, okay, so at X receiver, it's Mitch Roberts and Ryan Simpson. At Z receiver, Malik Flowers and Aaron Fonts, and at F receiver, Keelan White and Junior Bergen. Um, I am. From a pure evaluation standpoint, shocked that Aaron Fonts is not a one. From a pure experience of covering Bobby Houck's programs, 0% shocked that Aaron Fonts is not a number one. I thought he was the breakout player of camp. I think he is among, if not their, the most talented offensive player. I mean, he's in the conversation with Marcus Knight and Cole Grossman, probably, as Montana's most talented offensive players. And uh, he's going to get reps. I was just, I've been wondering for the last month, how they were going to make him earn it. And I guess the first way they're going to make him earn it is by not starting him. Well, that's right. Uh, interesting to watch with this wide receiver group. I think there are a lot of questions just around who is going to end up being the number one guy. Yeah. That's the thing, though. Bobby Hauk likes to have six guys that have, have 40 to 50 catches. That's his M.O. But that's not the way it works, though. Right. I mean, that's not the way it works on the field. I mean, especially if you have a quarterback in his first year in the offense in Lucas Johnson, it takes a while to grow comfortable enough with all those guys to where you're comfortable spreading it out to those guys. I just think that the way it's going to happen is he's going to build chemistry with one of those guys. He's going to build a comfort level with one of those guys. Might not even be any receivers at all. Yeah. It'll probably be Cole, Cole Grossman. That's exactly right. That's what it's going to be. It's going to be Cole Grossman. If we were doing big sky over-unders, which maybe we'll do that uh, later on this week, or maybe we'll do it going into conference play. But I, thought you, I don't know. I mean, if it was up to me, if I'm the play caller, I'm putting the over-under Cole Grossman catches at 55. Will he get there? I'm not sure. He caught thirty high 30s last year. So... Uh, I think Grossman is definitely the, one of their most talented offensive players. I hope they utilize him to the fullest of his abilities. Uh, Grossman's one at tight end. Eric Barker is uh, the second tight end. The tailback is interesting. Xavier Harris listed number one. And Nick Osmo listed at number two. And no Marcus Knight listed. I asked Eric Tabor, Montana State or Montana Sports, Sports Information Director, uh, excuse me, uh, today about Knight. And uh, he said that four guys are going to play, including Marcus Knight. So I, I really don't know where we're at here. You have been a little skeptical of Knight's return. They've been posting pictures of Marcus Knight in practice frequently. Marcus Knight came on our radio show, Nuanas Now, on ESPN Radio. Uh, but last time I was there, Marcus Knight was under the trainer's tent. He was not on the field. And, uh, you know, there's a similar situation going on in Montana State. But the spin over there is that Ifonse, Isaiah Fonse, All-American running back, is out. And uh, 
that seems to be feasible and in fact likely given what I know about his injuries and stuff. But it's just sort of a dichotomy of, of what the two programs are doing. But it was striking to see no Marcus Knight on there. It could be gamesmanship on Montana's part. I don't know, but they say he's he's going to be available. I'm not really sure. Yeah, really interesting to watch the contrast with those two programs because those have been two of the biggest stories around Montana and Montana State this year. The thing that what I'm just saying at Montana with Marcus Knight is that they have made Marcus Knight very available yeah, yeah. for media appearances, for interviews this entire fall. I mean, every outlet in town has done a story on how excited Marcus Knight has been to come back and be playing this year. But what have we seen on the field? I mean, he hasn't taken as many reps as some of the other guys on the depth chart. He was never in full pads when I was there. And I know we're not supposed to be talking about this because all the practice is off the record, but it's game week now, so we're already banned from practice. It's already all closed, so he was never in full pads when I was there. So just an interesting thing to watch because the way that it has been handled in Montana fall camp this fall has been that Marcus Knight is 100% back. He's excited. He's ready to go. And we've never really gotten any clarity on what this injury was either because this was a story all of last year too. Exactly. Uh, at this point, maybe we should just stop analyzing it. Here's what all I know is Xavier Harris looked great during camp. Xavier Harris was great as a freshman a year ago. And if they, he has a big back like Nick Osmo to spell him, makes him a little better. And then if they... You know, if Isaiah Childs, who was fine as a freshman last year, but is a good athlete, if he's just one step better against Northwestern State, I think you're fine. I I would be inclined if Marcus Knight, if it's all a spin and Marcus Knight is not 100%, if I was Montana, I would be inclined to not burn any uh, rubber with Marcus Knight. No, don't give him any pitches at all. I th- we're bearing the lead with Marcus Knight here, as you said. I think Xavier Harris and Nick Osmo are both really good. And as you sort of mentioned, sort of a really good pairing for each other. Uh, if they're both healthy, and I know they both battled some injuries last season, uh, but you do have a little bit of a thunder and lightning thing going on with them. I think Xavier Harris has pretty sky-high potential, actually. I thought he showed really well last year, and he showed really well in some tough games that he was forced into because Marcus Knight didn't play the entire year, because Nick Osmo was battling injuries a lot of the last year. I, I'm pretty high on Xavier Harris. I am too. And I, I mean, he, he's, he's just a really talented player. He, he and Fonts are great recruiting gets because they were both ready to go like straight out of the box from uh, Oxnard, California. Okay. The uh, offensive line for Montana, Big Sky Breakdown, by the way, is presented in part by Nick Tabor and Westpac Wealth. Uh, Nick has become a great friend of mine, a great friend of everything that we do, such a good supporter of us. And uh, also just a heck of a financial advisor. He helps me with uh, so many things in my financial life, gives me great advice all the time. And, uh, you know, he's gotten me set up with a lot of different things that are really benefiting me. He helped me, you know, figure out how to buy a house. And uh, so any and all uh, financial questions uh, you might have, Nick Tabor, Westpac Wealth, he's your go-to guy. Montana's offensive line looks like this. Chris Walker, graduate transfer out of Nebraska, who's a defensive lineman for most of the last several years, is now playing left tackle for Montana. Uh, he's the number one. Colin Drees as the number two, a sophomore out of the uh, Phoenix Tempe area there in Arizona. Left guard is Hunter McGinnis, a junior who was third team all big sky a year ago. 6'5, 325. By the way, Chris Walker, 6'6, 291. Colin Drees. 6'7", 275. McGinnis, 6'5", 325 as a redshirt junior. His backup, Cody Canoose, who's a former transfer from uh, the Air Force Prep School who has really been kind of hiding nowhere near the depth chart for most of the last several years, but now is a redshirt junior, 6'6", 310 pounds, so good size. The centers, 
A.J. Forbes, who I knew this was going to happen. He's 6'2", 302, which is what he is. They've been listening to him at 6'4", for two years. He's not 6'4". I've stood next to him. He's not that tall. But he, he has a chance to be a decent player, a good player, in fact. I think his next step is as an all-league guy, uh, the former Nebraska transfer himself, who's also a redshirt junior. Then the backup, Kakila Lincoln, who's a 6'2", excuse me, 6'5", a 286-pound redshirt freshman. Sorry, I'm squinting at the tiny print on this depth chart. Uh, the right guard, Liam Brown, 6'5", 310-pound redshirt freshman. His backup, Journey Grimsrud, is a 6'3", 280-pounder, converted defensive lineman, only been playing offensive line since fall camp began, uh, redshirt freshman out of Huntley Project, Montana. So that is a steep learning curve if he's going to be ready to play in a game, and he's a two, so there's a real chance he would. And then at right tackle, it's Brandon Casey, who's a 6'5", 295-pound sophomore out of Sandpoint, Idaho, a guy who got Pac-12 interest coming out of high school. And then Dylan Botner, who's a six foot six, two hundred and eighty five pound redshirt sophomore, former uh, partial scholarship guy out of Whitefish. So, I mean, uh, you're the one that brought me to this conversation. So I'll just let you make your point rather than stealing it. You think what when you look at this depth chart? Well, I hadn't seen it laid out before until you get it all on one page with the two deep being released. The offensive line has been a huge discussion point around Montana this fall camp. It's been a huge area of concern, I think, among people who evaluate this roster. But until you see it laid out, the issue I don't think the issue with the offensive line is really with the starters. I think they've got a chance to have a pretty good unit with that starting five, and I know they're breaking in three new starters, but I think Brandon Casey's pretty good. People are saying that Liam Brown has a lot of potential. They're both good. They just need to figure it out. I just need, I need to know... If they can do it in games, but they have the things like the the athleticism and the strength that is there. They just got to figure out how to do it in live action. And a guy like Chris Walker, you go and get him because you want him to be a day one starter and you need him to live up to that. So I think that starting offensive line is probably pretty good. But until you see it laid out, the depth on the offensive line is almost non-existent. And a lot of these guys, you know, they're no freshmen. All, all these guys backing up on the offensive line have time in the program, but none of those guys have have really ever played meaningful snaps. And I think that, you know, if you're already teetering on the edge a little bit with the starters because you're breaking in Liam Brown, you're breaking in Brandon Casey, you got a transfer starting in Chris Walker, okay, you can manage that. If one guy goes down and suddenly, you know, what if you're starting first-year starters at right guard and right tackle? you got Liam Brown and then you've got the backup, I guess, Dylan Botner at right tackle. What happens if two guys go down? Exactly. Exactly. And, and you know, Casey, once it clicks for him, he's going to be on an upward trajectory to being a very good player. I think his upside is as a very good player, you know, an all-conference type guy. Uh, the other guys, though, I don't know if they're ready physically or have that sort of potential. I think that they're okay. Uh, but I, I – Drees and Botner, both to me, when I've seen them, have been physically not ready. <laughs> and so that, that's not a good situation to be in. Granted, they're going against really good players. But you're right. I think that the front line could be good. I think Montana thinks they're going to be good. Uh, and I think they're going to be fine. I think, yes. I think their worst-case scenario, if all five of those guys stay healthy, is still being a pretty decent offensive line. I think if all five of those guys stay healthy, they're going to be able to run their offense. 
Big Sky Breakdown, SkylineSportsMT.com, presented in part by Blackfoot Communications. Thanks to Blackfoot for all of their help with all of our business development, for helping us get the sweet Skyline newsletter uh, up and running, for all of their marketing advice and collaboration, and all of their support of everything that uh, I do and that we do at both ESPN Radio and here at Skyline Sports. Blackfoot is just the best. I love working with those people. They have such good vision and uh, such good creativity, and it's uh, always a welcome uh, partnership when you get to work with people like that. On the defensive side of the ball for the Montana Grizzlies, the linebackers look like this, and they don't have them identified as certain types of linebackers anymore. It just says linebacker, and I think they're going to play the the six guys I'm about to list and another one, too. I think they're going to play seven guys at the linebacker spots. Braxton Hill is a one. Ryan Tyrrell, his bra- backup. Uh, Hill, a 6'2", 226-pound junior out of Anaconda. Ryan Tyrrell, a 6'2", 225-pound redshirt sophomore out of Missoula Loyola. So a couple of Class B kids at that linebacker spot. The, the, the second linebacker spot, I, I would assume that in the middle, but there's going to be two inside linebackers in this scheme. But it's Marcus Wellmel, a 6'1", 232-pound redshirt senior out of Helena Capital. And Michael Matthews, a 6'2", 221-pound redshirt senior out of Camas, Washington. And the third linebacker spot, the edge spot, Patrick O'Connell, 6'2", 230-pound redshirt senior out of Kalispell Glacier. And Levi Janicaro, a 6'2", 237-pounder redshirt junior out of Missoula Big Sky. And then the seventh linebacker that will play is Tyler Flink, who I don't have his listed size right in front of me. But uh, he's about 6'1", 225, and he's a redshirt junior. I don't know if I just sounded like I was repeating myself, but uh, they have a body type for the guy that they like to play inside linebacker at Montana. Yeah, they've got a factory somewhere in north-central Montana <laughs> that's just pumping these guys out to come play linebacker for the Grizz. How about the picture? Did you follow the picture that I tweeted of the, all these guys showing up to camp in their oh, cowboy God. suits? Cowboy boots and cowboy hats. I was like, this is, this is Bobby Houck's uh, wildest dream manifested into a picture. He's got a picture of all of these buff Montana made <laughs> inside linebackers from small town Montana. Every single one of them a walk on, <laughs> and now all of them would start at every single Big Sky school. I don't know how they do it. It's not even the the continuity of linebackers coaches. Although Ty Gregorak and Kent Bear, the two most prominent linebackers coaches for uh, Bobby Howe during his head coaching career, are great coaches. But man, it's amazing. I mean, it really is amazing that Bobby Howe can use what. Let's total this up. He used a total of two full scholarships on those seven guys coming out of high school. It's just crazy. And all of them from Montana, except Michael Matthews from over in Camas, Washington. All those guys can play, and all of them are going to play. I think you're right. I think they're going to be rolling in and out at a bunch of those spots. I'm actually writing about this right now as a bit of an elevated expectations piece for another player at another position. But if there's one thing that that 3-3-5 defense that they run demands – it's just a lot of depth at every position. So I think all of those guys are going to rotate in and out. I mean, it's amazing when you have the Big Sky Defensive Player of the Year in the preseason in Patrick O'Connell. Like I finished second in the Buck Buchanan Award voting last year. And his backup is probably going to play 25 defensive snaps a game, and he's good. Like, Levi Janet Carroll is going to make plays this year. Uh, he's one of the most physically uh, formidable guys on the team. There's a lot of things that make Montana great, from the mountains and lakes to some of the finest towns in the West. But what really makes this place special is you. Our communities are full of people who are working hard to build good lives and remarkable things. At Opportunity Bank, our passion is helping folks do just that. Together, we can make a good thing, 
even better. Opportunity Bank of Montana. Stop by and see us or visit us online. Member FDIC. The defensive line looks like this. Jacob McGowan is a starter uh, at one spot. 6'5", 265-pound redshirt sophomore. Hank Noose, who Andrew's writing about, 6'4", 250, a sophomore out of Kalispell Glacier. Uh, McGowan out of Cheney, Washington. The other defensive end spot is Diary, Diary uh, Riley Corcoran informs me, Diary Todd, who's a 6'2", 265-pound redshirt senior, former transfer from Michigan State. And then number zero, the first 6'5", 250-pound number zero I've ever seen, Kale <laughs> Edwards, a kid out of Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, who's uh, now a redshirt sophomore, former linebacker. Um, the inside guys, Alex Governor and Eli Alford, a couple of my favorite guys in the league. Governor 6'3", 285 as a fourth-year junior uh, out of the Los Angeles area, and Eli Alford, a former Air Force prep school kid who's 6'1", 290 pounds, and a senior this year uh, for the Grizzlies. The only surprise there is that Garrett Husted, who's the transfer from Nebraska, who's getting a lot of one reps, is not up on that that first defensive line. Yeah, that was interesting to see. He was a guy who got a lot of buzz during fall camp. I'm, I'm interested in this defensive end group. Uh, it's a group that I'll be watching pretty closely. I mean, I think... We know what we're getting with Alex Gubner and Eli Alford at defensive tackle. I mean, I think they're going to keep that high level. I'm curious about the eventual potential of these defensive ends. And what Montana had last year was a couple of just experienced guys at defensive end, both transfers who came in, in uh, Joe Babros and Justin Bell now. I think that... The Jacob McGowan, Diary Todd? Diary. Diary Todd. And I think with, with Henry Noose, I mean, and Henry Noose, you're right, is a guy I'm writing about right now. I'm wondering if this group has a little bit more potential than what they had out of defensive end last year. And they get so much of the pass rushing juice from the linebackers and even from guys like Robbie Houck blitzing. The, Montana's defensive ends don't need to be... DeMarcus Ware, right? They don't need to be Von Miller. You don't need to be winning one-on-one, bending back to the quarterback, getting sacks. But I wonder if these guys have a little bit more juice in that department than what they had last year. I think they're going to struggle in the zone blitz drops that Bill Knapp and Babros were so good at. Those guys were both like 6'2", 240, and could really run. They're going to be totally different now, a lot more stout. I mean, to me, McGowan's a guy, if he puts it all together, he is has some of the best natural talent of anybody on the team. So if he puts it all together, I mean, that's a, a huge deal. And also, I think that if Governor takes the next step, then, they, then he takes the next step to being one of the best interior guys in the country. And, and I, I think that is uh, not only on the table, but likely. I mean, I thought he was one of the absolute standouts of fall camp. Uh, big Sky Breakdown, SkylineSportsMT.com. Here's what the secondary looks like. Corbin Walker is the one over Jaden Dawson. Maybe that surprises people. Walker was great as a sophomore a year ago. Dawson, a former All-Big Sky player at Idaho State who transferred in in the offseason. The other corner spot, Justin Ford, a returning All-American last year after having nine picks after transferring from Louisville. And Trevin Grady, who was the Big Sky Conference first-team all-conference special teamer. That's our cat, Ozzy. Hi, Ozzy. Uh, and a guy out of Billings West who I thought also, I, I thought the, the, the breakout guy, the guy that really played his way onto the depth chart that maybe people hadn't been talking about on offense was Aaron Fonts. I think on defense, it was Trevin Grady. And so the corners look uh, solid again. And then at safety, you got Robbie Houck over Jackson Lee. 
Nash Vouch over Trajan Cotton at the nickel spot, which is no longer that rover. It's more of a nickel. And then uh, at strong safety, it's Garrett Graves as the one, uh, a guy out of a kid out of Eureka, Montana, and David Copang, a kid out of Missoula, Loyola, as the two. Of course, uh, Jackson Lee, the two there behind Robbie Houck, also out of uh, Phillipsburg, Montana, by way of Missoula Sentinel. So a lot of Montana flavor in that secondary as well. But uh, is it possible that Montana's even better at corner this year? I think corner's their deepest spot this year, maybe other than the linebackers who we talked about. I think all four of those guys are really, really good players. Uh, and, yeah, I definitely think that's possible because they brought their guys back from last year aside from Omar Hicks-Onu, but I think Jaden Dawson's that same caliber of player. You know, I thought Jaden Dawson – or I thought Omar Hicks-Onu was a really good player for them last year. I think Jaden Dawson is, you know, similar caliber of player. They're just experienced guys. I mean, Jaden Dawson was a junior college guy before he ended up at Idaho State, and he played, the one I think, the one spring and the one fall season at Idaho State, and he was all-conference both years. He's just a guy that you know is going to come in and get it done. And then at safety, um, you know, not much to say, just Nash Valsh and Trajan Cotton still tagged with that or on the depth chart, which, which they had all last year as well. I am so interested in when Nash Valsh is going to jump up and grab it. Because he, he's really talented, and he's played a lot, and he's been fine. But now, when, you, when, you've, when you've started since you're a freshman, and now you're a junior, you got to be better than fine. And, and again, he's, he's been good. Like, he's been fine. He has not been any sort of liability. He's good. But when he first came in, I thought he had an opportunity to be great, and he still does. And he, just needs, he needs to go up and grab it. Cotton's a guy that has really never been able to get fully healthy after hurting his knee his first year there at Montana. But uh, I think that Fouch is a guy that just needs to get up and grab it. Uh, last ones to go through here at punter, it's Patrick Rohrbach, who uh, Brian Salonen, all-time great Grizz, who played in the NFL for a while, who's been a high school coach for a long time. Uh, he told me that Patrick Rohrbach out of Kalispell Glacier is the finest, and I quote, I asked him if I could use this, and he said sure. <laughs> and he said he's the finest high school punter he's ever seen in the state of Montana. Bobby Houck also, that's why he snapped at me when I asked him about punter. He said, I know how to evaluate punters. The day that they signed Patrick Rohrbach, he said he thought he was the best punter to come out of Montana since Bobby's been here. So I think that they do, they don't, they don't, they haven't been worried about that spot at all. And I don't think Bobby Houck would, would fail at evaluating that position. Kicker, I didn't get to see as much of during fall camp, but they brought in Nico Ramos, who's a transfer from Cal. And then they have Cameron Capser, who's out of uh, Billing Central, who was a record-setting kicker during his high school days. So uh, what do you think of the specialists there for uh, the Grizz? Well, they did exactly what they did last year. I mean, last year we had Kevin Macias show up right at the beginning of fall camp. This year, I mean, they looked at the position. They evaluated it again. They went out and got another transfer in Nico Ramos. I expect that'll work out. I mean, this is a guy who, again, has a lot of experience. He's kicked, you know, not in a ton of game reps. But those practice reps, if you're at a, a Division One school and you're battling for a job, those are huge pressure-packed kicks, right? For sure. And I think that's a guy who is is not going to have a problem kicking in the FCS. It'd be interesting to see if the formula works again. It worked great last year with uh, freshman punter and Brian Vershini and a Pac-12 transfer kicker at Kevin Macias. Yeah, and I think the other point, you know, comparing Nico Ramos to Kevin Macias is a lot of the time – these guys don't lose the job at Division One schools because they're they're bad kickers that can't make field goals or they're struggling to make field goals. But like a guy like Kevin Macias last year, 
great, really consistent. A lot of D one schools can bring in guys with a bigger leg oh, than yeah, him, right? Sure. I mean, he's like a he's he's good out to forty seven. Like if he's kicking from the thirty and in, he's fine. But you're right. Like Arizona State can just bring in a guy that can make sixty five yarders. Right, and and I I I haven't really seen Ramos kick, but I would expect it's the same thing with him. And that's all you need for Montana. You need a guy who's going to make you know, 85% of his kicks from 40 yards and in. Okay, last ones. And, uh, you know, I know I was uh, talking about Marcus Knight being in and out, and, you know, we're talking about that because if they're playing games, we're playing games, whatever. Uh, but the rest of it we got to be careful about, I guess. Uh, I've already said something about some of these guys on the radio, so so whatever. But uh, at punt returner, Junior Bergen and Robbie Houck are the one and the two. At kick returner, it's Malik Flowers and Junior Bergen. I don't think that the two on the kick returner indicates they're going to have two back. I think that's just a one and a two. Bobby Houck always has favored the, the single kick returner back. And then, of course, the holder is uh, Mitch Roberts and the snapper, Grayson Pybull, and so I mean that's pretty much chalk. That's exactly how you expect it to be, right? I actually I thought maybe Fonts would be on the on the punt return somewhere. And I was wondering if if Keelan White also would get sure. another shot at it. Yeah, that's about it though. I mean, and so not much of a surprise here. The only big surprises to recap are I think Aaron Fonts not as a one, but that's not really that big of a surprise. Uh, it's really striking to see the lack of depth on the offensive line, uh, but if those Frontline guys can stay healthy and be as good as they can. That could be a place that's at least improved this year. Uh, the only guys that I thought maybe could have been on the depth chart that uh, weren't uh, on the defensive side, probably Tyler Flink will get some run at linebacker. Garrett Husted, the defensive end from Nebraska, not there uh, on the two deep. So not sure his status. And uh, that's about it. Maybe uh, Keelan White and Aaron Fonts in the return game. But other than that, uh, pretty darn solid. So Montana, they open with. Um, Northwestern State on Saturday. Big Sky Breakdown, SkylineSportsMT.com. More on the Bobcats right after this. Blackfoot Communications just launched new business services delivering big value to smaller firms. With reliable voice, fast internet, business-grade Wi-Fi, and around-the-clock support, Blackfoot ensures you remain connected to your customers, employees, and communities throughout the day, every day. For more information, go to blackfootsmallbusiness.com. Connect to more with Blackfoot Communications. We're pulling an audible. It's football season. Instead of going through the Montana State depth chart, because I don't have anybody to have as a sounding board, instead we're going to include our conversation with Dave Wooten and his new morning show partner, Ashley. I join them every Thursday morning for Blue and Gold Thursdays on K-Sky Country, 106.9 FM in Bozeman. I also join them before each home game for the Montana State Bobcats for our Bobcat pregame tailgate show. Happy to be back for the 11th year. Crazy for our Bobcat pregame tailgate show. Here's my conversation with Dave Wooten about all things Montana State football. All right, it's time for our first look at the Bobcat game on Saturday. It's brought to you by First Security Bank, and we got our buddy back with us uh, again this year, Coulter Nuanez from Skyline Sports. How was your offseason? A whirlwind as always, but we made a lot of progress at Skyline, and uh, we're going to have full multiple writers multiple photographers at every bobcat football game both home and away this year so exciting time and uh exciting time at skyline sports as well so we appreciate you guys for all you've done to help us promote it and uh, appreciate being here again for this season 
Yeah, we're looking forward to it. So I, I guess off the top, Coulter, um, who are our Bobcats this year? I mean, we went to the national championship game last year, but we lost some players. Like, what, who are we? Do we know? Well, for sure. I think that uh, this Bobcat roster both has a lot of question marks because you do lose uh, nine all-conference players. I mean, the news earlier this week was – Uh, Definitely some of the great news that Montana State has ever had when it comes to Bobcats to the NFL. Five different former Bobcats, including four guys from last year's team alone, made active rosters. Daniel Hardy and Lance McCutcheon both making the active roster with the defending champion Super Bowl, uh, the defending Super Bowl champion Los Angeles Rams. Troy Anderson, of course, as a second round draft pick, he obviously was going to make the roster in Atlanta no matter what, but he's uh, fighting for a starting job there with the Falcons. And then Lewis Kidd gets his name on the active roster with the New Orleans Saints. Very cool. And then Alex Singleton, who was a a Bobcat great in 2014, he's now been playing pro football for about eight years. Uh, He's a slated starter for the Denver Broncos. And I know the NFL's a a week or two away, and I know Singleton's going to be up there for the Gold Rush game on Saturday. So a lot of Bobcat pride. But um, the the only time the Montana State's had more guys on active rosters in the NFL – was in 1985. So another historic accomplishment for this group of guys. So it is a huge deal to try to replace all those guys. That said, I think Montana State, with what Jeff Choate left in the program and what Brent Deegan has been able to add to the program, the cupboard is more than full. They have a ton of talent on both sides of the ball. I think they're going to be very dynamic on offense. I think they have one of the most skilled and diverse quarterbacks in the country in Tommy Malott. We'll see if he can harness the momentum uh, that he had during the playoffs a year ago. Uh, there's a lot of question marks at running back because Isaiah Fonse, who's supposed to be a returning All-American, is almost certainly out for at least the first part of this season. But they have a lot of guys, a lot of bodies that are going to be vying for playing time there. They had an overhaul at the wide receiver spot, basically going to have four new faces among their top six guys there. They have a brand-new offensive line with a whole bunch of sophomores and a freshman. So that'll be an interesting spot to watch. But I think on, def- on, uh, on defense – they have a ton of returning talent, whether it's Sebastian Valdez and Brody Greeby up front, Callahan O'Reilly, Nolan Askelson at middle linebacker, Ty Okada, Jeffrey Manning, Simeon Woodard in the secondary. Uh, even though Montana State loses a lot, they return a lot as well. I think that's what you get when you have a, a top-tier national-level program. You can lose a whole bunch of guys to the NFL, and you can keep on rolling. Now, you mentioned that we have some new uh, sophomores and freshmen on the offensive line. Are there any particular guys that stand out to you that we should watch? Well, I think one of the great stories on the offensive front is Marcus Ware. He is a young man out of Billings Central High School. He came to Montana State as a defensive lineman. Because of the opportunity to get playing time more quickly on the offensive line, he switched to offensive line in the, in the uh, offseason. He played guard during the spring, but now he's slated as the starting right tackle. Uh, This kid put on about 45 pounds over the last 18 months. So he's put the work in. He's definitely gotten a lot bigger. And uh, so he's definitely a guy I'm going to have my eye on just as a converted guy. I think Justice Perkins is probably the guy that the the fans are going to gravitate more to uh, because he's a Bozeman High kid, a guy who's a second-generation Bobcat. His dad, Josh, played on the Bobcats in the late 1990s. And Justice is kind of an underdog story. Went from a walk-on to now in his second year as a starter at center uh, as only a sophomore. So he's a great story. But probably their most talented guy is J.T. Reed. He was a highly recruited guy out of Southern California. Came to Montana State, had some academic issues, and uh, then went to a junior college. And I'd never seen this before. 
came to MSU, went to a junior college, and then came back to Montana State. So he definitely wanted to be in Bozeman. And he got a year of playing time there at the JC under his belt as well. So he's a highly talented guy as well. So although Montana State, they lack a lot of experience, they certainly have a lot of young talent there on the offensive front. Talking with Coulter Dewan at Skyline Sports. Getting ready. This is our first look at the Bobcat game on Saturday against McNeese State. So, are we a are we a defensive team or are we an offensive team? Wh- which is it this year? Well, that's an interesting question. I think Montana State's identity uh, pretty consistently throughout the last, I mean, in the Big Sky Conference era, dating back to 1963, has always gravitated toward defense. And when the Montana State Bobcats have tried to go an offensive style, like they did towards the end of the Rob Ash era, they've had a lot of prolific offenses that uh, didn't have a lot of success as teams. And so I do think that you know playing at almost 5,000 feet, playing in the heart of the Rocky Mountains when in November and December it's going to be cold, and then just playing in Montana, recruiting the majority of your roster from in this state, you're just going to get a lot more defensive-type talents. And so I think Montana State's going to always sort of lean toward being a defensive team. That said... There's a lot of questions about Tommy Mallott at quarterback, the kid from Butte, America, who took the FCS by storm a year ago. But if you listen to what Montana State's saying internally, there's no question whatsoever. They put this kid up on a pedestal. They nominated him as uh, the preseason offensive player of the year, even though he's never even started in a Big Sky Conference game. But just listening to everybody that uh, is around the program and close to the program the kid is an unbelievable worker with an unbelievable brain. And that's what Brent Vegan said on my daily radio show earlier this week. He said, this kid, he has the acumen. He, he just needs his experiences to catch up with how smart he is. And uh, so experiences can only come with experience. Uh, but if Tommy Mallott can have a, a sharp and fast learning curve, MSU might be able to put up some points as well. So I, I do think this Bobcat team... Although they have a lot of uh, young players that are unproven, they have a lot of talent, and I do think they could be prolific on both sides of the ball. If Malad goes down, uh, who's coming in? That's a great question because Montana State thought they had several different options at quarterback. They brought in Sean Chambers, who's a transfer from Wyoming. He actually played at Wyoming when Brent Vegan, the head coach from MSU, was there uh, in Laramie. Chambers was a, a starter whenever he was healthy there for the Cowboys for three years. and So he's a good player. Uh, he had some academic stuff earlier on. It sounds like he needs to get some stuff done in the classroom. They sounded optimistic that he was going to be able to be eligible eventually. I don't know uh, how soon he'll be eligible. So that's sort of a, a coin flip. I think Chambers will play at some point this year, but if he does, if uh, I think they'll get that part figured out. If not, though, the, the backup within was supposed to be Jordan Reed, who's a highly recruited kid out of Southern California. Uh, he's 6'6". He looks the part all day. He very much looks the mold of what Brent Vegan has had in his past, both at North Dakota State with guys like Carson Wentz and Easton Stick, and then at Wyoming with guys like Josh Allen. I'm not saying Jordan Reed's Josh Allen. I mean, Josh Allen's the best quarterback in the NFL, in my opinion. But Jordan Reed has a lot of natural skills like that. But Jordan Reed suffered a season-ending leg injury during fall camp, so he's out for the year. So it's probably going to then fall to Sean Austin, who's a kid out of Kuna, Idaho, who was a Idaho State champ coming out of high school, but a guy who hasn't gotten any reps since he's gotten to Montana State, mostly because he's just been buried there. He's only a redshirt freshman. So you're right. It, it, Malott, his health is a paramount uh, concern for Montana State because if, if he can stay healthy, good thing. If he can't, not a lot of depth there at quarterback for MSU. 
Yeah, that's uh, let, let's hope he keeps his health. Any lingering effects from his injury in the national championship game? Well, as uh, Montana State offensive coordinator and uh, quarterbacks coach Taylor Housewright said, he said, Tommy Malott's not a normal human. He heals a lot faster than most normal humans. So, uh, I mean, the thing about Malott is I know I, I get why there's a lot of skepticism about him. The kid has never started a regular season game at Montana State. He got hurt in the national championship game, and he had to have surgery. So I get it. There's a lot of things pointing towards a sophomore slump. The kid is just built different. I mean, he is one of the most hardworking, dedicated kids I have ever seen in my 16 years covering the Big Sky Conference. And so whether it's rehab or learning uh, the offense or diagnosing his own personal weaknesses or improving in every possible way he can, that's what I keep telling people. I don't know how good Tommy Malott's going to be this year, but I do know Tommy Malott's going to be as good as he can be with this last nine months to grow because he's definitely, absolutely uh, put in the work to have a great sophomore year. Have they talked any uh, talked about, you know, it, it seems like they ran him a lot last year. Again, he was a new quarterback, right? I mean, he, he, like you said, he hadn't started any games. So I felt like they were running him a lot. And for long term, I feel like we need a quarterback that can throw. It's great if they, if, you know, if he can run and he needs to, but running first and throwing second for a quarterback is not the best option. Well, that's definitely true. They knew they didn't have very many. They didn't have that many carries on the tires last year, so to speak, because he hadn't played a lot. The other factor, though, is Isaiah Fonse played hurt for the last five weeks of the season. I mean, he wasn't healthy for the Grizz game towards the end of the year, and he was not healthy in the playoffs. I know he had 100 yards rushing against Sam Houston because he broke a big one to really pad his stats, but he was not healthy. And so by the time MSU got to the playoffs and they're playing Tennessee Martin and they're playing Sam Houston and they're playing South Dakota state. Their primary running back was out. So was Elijah Elliott, their primary backup running back. And so was Lane Sumner, their third string guy. So they didn't really have anybody to give the ball to. So they kind of had to give it to Tommy Malott. Now I think they're going to try to spread it around. I think they realized how hard that was on Malott. I think they realized how hard that was on Afonso. So I do think that Malott He'll still be a, a huge part of the run game for sure, especially with all the zone read stuff and uh, read option stuff and you know run pass option stuff they're going to do. But I think they have a stable of running backs to sort of relieve that as well. Kagan Williams, who's a transfer from San Diego State, is a really talented guy. Elliott and Sumner, who I already mentioned, are both healthy. And then Garrett Kuhn, who's a former Wyoming Gatorade Player of the Year, he's coming off a redshirt year. And uh, he made a lot of progress in this offseason. But then the kid to watch that maybe people listening to this don't know much about is Jared White. He was the leading rusher for the entire uh, Dallas-Fort Worth area as a high school senior a year ago. He's from Frisco, Texas, and uh, he is an unbelievably talented kid. I think as a rookie, he's going to play right out the gate. So I do think that Montana State, you're right, it's a good point, Dave. I think they're going to spread the carries around and try to keep the, the wear and tear down on Tommy Malott. All right, uh, season prediction. What do you think the Cats are going to go this year? Well, it's like I always do this. Uh, I always predict for Skyline Sports, we cover the Big Sky Conference, but we also cover a high priority on Montana State first and Montana as well. And uh, I always score out every single game across the composite schedule for every team in the Big Sky Conference. And the only game I don't score out pencil to paper is the last game of the regular season between the Cats mm-hmm. and the Grizz. So I can tell you, I think Montana State will have either seven or eight wins going into the final week of the season. That, that means then the Grizzly game would be basically to get to 9-2 and two and almost certainly have a playoff seed. 
if they have the the eight wins already, or if they have the seven wins, it'll probably be to get into the playoffs. So I think Montana State has an inside track as a playoff team again. Uh, I picked them to finish second in the league this year, so I do think they have some uh, some really good optimism around the program. Uh, but this team, you know, here we are. They they've made the playoffs three years in a row. They made the playoffs eleven out of the last nineteen times. So they are a perennial playoff contender. They are absolutely worthy of their preseason top five ranking uh, on the national landscape. Uh, so I, I, I'll say this: I think that I think going into the the Cat Grizz game. Uh, the last week of the regular season, I'm going to say Montana State's 8-2, and two, and that game on both sides is going to be for a bye in the first round of the playoffs and a top seed in the FCS playoff bracket. So I'm going to put you on the spot here in the last question. Uh, going into the season, who's ahead right now, Grizz or Cats? Well, I picked Montana to win the league because Montana has a whole bunch more returning starters. I think the Grizz defense is going to be uh, as nasty as any defense in the country. But more than anything, and this is one thing, one nuance that fans sometimes get lost on is in the Big Sky Conference, it's an unbalanced schedule. So you don't play every team in the league. And so it's all about who you play and who you don't play. So I picked the the Grizz ahead of the Cats in the preseason poll because the Grizz have a more favorable schedule. Now that said, I think the Grizz season is going to be defined the last two weeks of October. They play at Sac State on October 22nd. And then they play at Weber State on October 29th. If the Grizz split those, they're in good shape to be a, sort of a, an inside track for the conference title. If they sweep those, they're in the driver's seat. If they get swept in those two games, now they're going to be fighting a little bit to get back into that Big Sky title race. But that said, I, I know that people around the state and people around the conference are high on the Grizz. There's a reason why they were picked by both the media and the coaches to win the league. That said, I think that it's a coin flip between these two teams. Here's what I would tell you. Here's my bold prediction for the year. I think the Cat Grizz game in Bozeman uh, on November 19th is going to be for the outright Big Sky title. I think the winner of that game will be the outright league champion. So I think right now, Montana, Montana State, they're neck and neck. All right. It's Coulter Nuanez with our first look at the Bobcat game on Saturday. It's brought to you by First Security Bank. You will see Coulter at our uh, tailgate on Saturday right there in front of Town of Country Foods. So, uh, come by and say hi. Let's get you a plug. SkylineSportsMT.com, correct? That is exactly right. And we have all sorts of new stuff going on at Skyline Sports. We'll have daily feature stories and news releases. We also post all of the press conferences and various interviews from Montana State and Montana. Uh, and then we also have the Big Sky Breakdown podcast, which we'll have four episodes a week of. Got a new one coming out on Thursday featuring Ty Gregorak, longtime head coach, or excuse me, longtime assistant coach. Uh, throughout the Big Sky Conference, as well as Andrew Houghton, one of our contributing writers there at Skyline Sports. And we also have a new Skyline Sports newsletter. So if you're a subscriber at Skyline, great. We love you for it. If you're not, please consider it. And either way, though, if you just put in your email when you sign in, boom, you're going to get all of our free content delivered right to your inbox two times a week. So that's a great new addition we have, great way to stay connected with uh, the fans and the readers. So SkylineSportsMT.com, you can uh, find it. Uh, on any of your obviously internet browsers, SkylineSportsMT.com. It's uh, your go-to spot for all things Big Sky Conference. All right, Coulter, uh, looking forward to seeing you Saturday and glad you're back again this season uh, for our Bobcat uh, Thursdays and also for our tailgates on Saturday. Coulter Duanez, SkylineSportsMT.com. We'll see you Saturday. Can't wait for a gold rush Saturday evening, one of the best you can have in Bozeman any time of the year. So look forward to seeing you guys. Thanks for having me. And we'll go to the Rangers Brothers RV phone line. 
Welcome in Sam Herter. He's the senior FCS analyst for Hero Sports, which is now in collaboration with BetMGM and uh, our go-to guy for analyzing FCS football on a national level. Sam, what's up, my man? How you doing? I'm doing good. Uh, excited to talk some FCS football in Montana and definitely excited for this upcoming season, which kind of already got underway with Week Zero, but we have a whole slate of games this upcoming weekend. A tough uh, Big Sky Conference debut, Idaho State, which I must admit I proclaimed thought was going to be pretty competitive against UNLV. And uh, they did get to 21 points, but they were uh, down sizably. I think 42 or even 49 to nothing, or 49 to 7 maybe. Uh, It was a blowout at halftime, and uh, UNLV cruises past Idaho State. So uh, tough debut for the Bengals, tough debut for Charlie Ragle as the head coach there. So that was your week zero game. But, Sam, before we get back to the Big Sky Conference, I want to ask you, you know this stuff better than anybody, what are some of your favorite storylines, just off the top of your head, for just FCS football this year? What are some of the stuff that you have watching, uh, that you're going to be watching and that you're going to be analyzing uh, here this season and that you're excited to follow along with? Yeah, a few different things, uh, starting with, kind of the big picture national title uh, landscape. And is it going to be what a lot of us expect it to be with some recent FCS to FBS departures? Is it going to be North Dakota State versus South Dakota State versus Montana versus Montana State? Is it going to be these four teams at the top of the FCS, you know, mostly every every year? And, and you look at a majority of top 25 polls or ballots, and it's those four teams in whatever order in a lot of people's top four. And so I think that's just one kind of top storyline is, is it North Dakota State versus everyone else, and how many contenders are there actually in the FCS? And so that's kind of like the overarching storyline uh, over top of the FCS. But I think the CAA and the SOCON are both very interesting. Uh, the CAA without James Madison how many is that a three bid league? Is that a two bid league? Uh, can the SOCON catch the CAA as far as being that number three conference in the FCS? And so those are two fascinating conference races, in my opinion. And then the third one, honestly, I think is, is Jackson State. Uh, I think they have a really good chance to go undefeated this year, go 11 and 0. But with the strength of schedule, that's probably going to be in the 90s. It's going to be fascinating to see where voters put Jackson State week after week because if they keep on winning and let's say, you know, Kennesaw State loses a couple games, does that all of a sudden mean that Jackson State is better than Kennesaw State? Is, is, is Jackson State going to slowly make its way down to, uh, you know, the top 10 polls uh, in the top 10 uh, into a lot of polls because they keep on winning? That's going to be something that I know is, I already know is going to be a topic of conversation on social media where, in my opinion, you know, just for example, if, if uh, I'm trying to think of an example, but if, if, in my opinion, I think even a you know a, a seven and seven and one Southern Illinois team is probably still better than you know a ten and zero Jackson State team, and so that, that's going to be another fascinating thing to keep an eye on. Is Jackson State is going to keep on winning, but I don't know if they, if they are quite top ten material just yet. But I know a lot of their fans will, will want them to be in that top ten of polls. Sam Herder joining us here on Nuanas Now on ESPN Radio and SWX Montana Television. Is, is the rise of Jackson State, can you exclusively say it's because of primetime Neon Deion Sanders and his recruiting ability? Or what have they done to sort of build this hype? I mean, being on the cover of Sports Illustrated when you're an FCS squad, that doesn't hurt. <laughs> it definitely doesn't hurt. Uh, but, I mean, what can you point to? Is it just the recruiting and the hype around the program? I think you do have to point 
at Deion Sanders uh, with this, the level of attention he brings, uh, the level of hype he brings. Uh, I mean, you look at Jackson State last year's last year's FCS attendance leaders. Jackson State was number one at forty two thousand people. Number two was Montana at twenty four thousand people, nearly wow. doubling. Yeah. You know, I mean, as you look at the pictures of their stadium week after week, and it's sold out, and it looks like just an awesome atmosphere. And I think he's bringing uh, such great attention not only to that school, uh, but to the HBCUs in general. And, and he's advocating for more resources and more attention uh, for those HBCU schools, especially teams in the SWAC. I mean, he has so much sway, and he has so much notoriety where if he asks for something, he gets it a lot of times, and I think that's that's a good thing. I mean, he in his first year, he asked, "Hey, why why isn't Swack on ESPN more?" Like that that was his straight up question. Like, why why aren't our games on ESPN and ESPN two? Next thing you know, last fall, the Swack had like three or four games on national television, and, and so like he's brought such great attention to Jackson State to the Swack, which you know in turn brings more attention to the FCS, and so I do think you can almost singularly, you know, point to him and bring in that excitement, which has come with, with more resources and they have a new locker room. Um, you know, obviously, uh, you know, ticket sales, that revenue ha- has gone up and he's bringing in incredible recruits. I mean, the number one recruits in all of college football, Travis Hunter went to Jackson state. If Deion Sanders isn't there, he, he probably doesn't go uh, to Jackson state. And so I, I, I do think it is coach Sanders there. Yeah. Unbelievable! It's uh, quite a a uh, ploy, and we have we've seen this at the FCS level and at several different schools. Whether it's uh, Ed McCaffrey at Northern Colorado, Deion Sanders at Jackson State, Eddie George uh, in the FCS as well, former Heisman Trophy winner from Ohio State, who had a great career for the Tennessee Oilers, Tennessee Titans, and uh, you know you got to give primetime credit because Coach Pride he's he's not only talking like he has been talking for thirty years, uh, but he's definitely uh, putting it. Uh, yeah, he's making making the results meet the the uh, the hype train as well. So uh, they're doing a good job there at uh, Jackson State. Sam Herder from uh, Hero Sports joining us here on Nuanas now. And Sam, we always circle back to what has been the dominant team at this level or any level of college football, in my opinion, ever. And that's North Dakota State. I mean, they have had no peer for ten years. I mean, I think they've lost less times than the amount of years they've been on this run, which is just truly unbelievable. How much of that do you think, though, buoys the reputation of the Missouri Valley? Where else, though, have you seen the Missouri Valley sort of keep pace? And keep pace is the wrong way of saying it, but make no mistake, the Missouri Valley is the best conference in the country because North Dakota State's in it, but they're also the best con- conference in the country because teams in the Missouri Valley have been trying to keep up with North Dakota State. That's, I mean, high tide raises all ships, right? So, I mean, where have you seen some of the other Missouri Valley schools continue to try to play chase, and how much do you think NDSU's influence has on the improvement of the whole league? Yeah, it's the you know the a big debate right now is is the FCS or is the NDSU dynasty is it still good for the FCS is it starting to get bad for the FCS? Uh, but I think just overall the, the level of success NDSU has had not only has brought great attention to the FCS but it's risen the game of not only teams like South Dakota State or Missouri State or Southern Illinois uh, even like South Dakota UND 
not really blue blood FCS programs, but they're investing pretty decently into FCS success because they have to. Uh, and I think that it, that even extends out to you know Montana and Montana State and and even Weber State. They, they're seeing what NDSU is doing, and they say, okay, if we want to compete at a national level, this is what we need to do off the field to compete on the field. Uh, and so I think. If, even if you take North Dakota State out of the Valley, is it as much of a juggernaut? Obviously not, but it still is a really, really good league. Uh, I mean, you can look at how many different teams have made the semifinals, how many different teams have made the national championship game, not named uh, North Dakota State. Uh, you know, just a lot, of, a lot of sound, really good, talented football teams uh, in the Valley. Uh, and you look at this last year's draft, I think, the, the Missouri Valley had nine players selected uh, in the NFL draft, and that was more than Conference USA. It was more than the MAC, and it was also more than the Sun Belt. So just it, it wasn't all NDSU players either, right? Like Northern Iowa always has NFL guys. Uh, and South Dakota State has a ton of NFL guys on their roster right now. Southern Illinois is sending guys to the league. I think there's a couple of NFL guys on Missouri State's roster. And so NDSU success props up the Valley to a certain extent. But I think even without NESU, that still is a very, very strong league. Absolutely. Sam Herter joining us here on Nuanas Now ESPN Radio as well as SWX Montana Television. Sam covers FCS on a national level for Hero Sports, which is now in association with BetMGM. And Sam, let's talk about the Big Sky Conference. Uh, it seems like there's been a stratification in college football across the board. It seems like the the pandemic and everything that resulted from it helped the rich get richer and it hurt a lot of the 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 want to be's you know not the has-beens but the wants to be's the teams that are playing chase and i think that you saw the rich get richer and when it comes to the missouri valley i think you saw the same thing in the big sky and now you look at the big sky conference uh, potential playoff contenders and it's pretty directly associated with where does football matter where are the the schools that have the best support the best resources those are the the true contenders so how would you just evaluate the state of the Big Sky Conference right now, especially with the sort of reascension of the Montana schools uh, to the top of not only the, the league standings but the national rankings? Yeah, the Big Sky is fascinating, not only this year, but just with the, the changes of the Big Sky landscape. Not only, And we could go down a rabbit hole of all this, of, you know, the – you know, Weaver, Weaver State was kind of at the top for a bit while Montana State and Montana were down, uh, and then that's kind of flip-flopped um, a little bit. You can kind of go back several years and kind of see who has risen, who has fallen. Uh, now Sac State has, has risen up uh, compared to, like, Northern Arizona was, was pretty good for a number of years there. Uh, you know, Case Cookus, I think they made the playoffs in, like, 2017 and 2018, and now they've, call, they've kind of fallen back down uh, while teams like Sac State have, have risen up. But I also think just the, the style of play has changed quite a bit in the big sky where it's, it is uh, stronger defenses, uh, you know, still a lot of good receivers and quarterbacks, but, I, I, you know, there are a lot of question marks at the quarterback position in the big sky this year compared to the running back position in the big sky, and it's, that, that's a loaded position right there uh, in the conference. But I think overall when you look at the, the now 12 teams in the big sky, it does seem like there are – you can, and it's probably, it's not going to go chalk like this. And so I will see if this comes back to bite me, but it does seem like it's easy to break this into tiers where you have Montana State, Montana, Sac State in that top tier. Uh, all teams that will contend for the title, all teams that will probably be playoff seeds. And then you have a second tier 
I think of Weber State, UC Davis, Eastern Washington, three teams good enough to make the playoffs, but there's probably only going to be room for two teams, two of those three teams making the playoffs. After that, I think you have another tier of three teams, Northern Arizona, Portland State, Idaho, teams that all have potential uh, to challenge uh, some of those teams in the top two tiers, uh, but probably aren't there just yet. And then you have the bottom tier, Cal Poly, Northern Colorado, Idaho State. We'll see if it actually goes that easy and that chalk. But when you just look at the 12 teams, you, you, you can kind of break them into those four tiers. And the interesting part, too, is there's been so much made of the unbalanced schedule in the Big Sky Conference. But this year, and it's almost exclusively coincidental, but most of the top contenders play most of the top contenders. Eastern Washington has the misfortune of playing pretty much all of the top contenders. There's a, you know one opponent that each one of the other contenders basically miss, but there's going to be a lot of showdowns. Last year, when Sac State ran the table, they had the great win in Missoula. That's something you can't take away from them. But there was a lot of haters out there saying, well, you know, they went 8-0 because they had this schedule and yada, yada, yada. This year, though, Sac's going to have to prove it if they want to make another run at the title. Montana State, Montana, Weber State, they're all going to have to prove it. They all play each other, and I think that's going to make uh, for quite a Big Sky Conference schedule. But, Sam, I think that – and this is, we'll get you out of here on this. I think that the, the Big Sky Conference title race, and obviously November, you know, big games in November always, that's where champions are determined. But I think that the last two weekends of October are going to be the, the pivotal weekends – in the Big Sky Conference. On October 22nd, Montana goes to Sacramento State, and Montana State hosts Weber State. And then the following weekend, all of those teams are going to be coming off of either wins or losses, so a lot of chances for momentum or rebounds or whatever it might be. And Montana goes on the road to play down at Weber State while the Cats have a bye. So I think that's going to be a place where we definitely see uh, some swings in the momentum of the conference title race. I mean, what do you think of just sort of the pivotal nature of the end of October there uh, for the Montana schools, Weber State, Sac State, four of, in my estimation, of the top contenders in the big sky? Yeah, that, that's going to be a huge couple of weeks, and it kind of it comes at a, a decent time, too, because you don't necessarily want all of those huge matchups late uh, just because naturally – uh, you know, if, if, if two great teams are playing each other at the end of the regular season and one loses, you know, maybe the playoff committee overreacts to that a little bit. Like when Montana State lost handedly to Montana last year and got dropped all the way down to the eighth seed, you know, you're kind of thinking, oh, maybe that maybe the playoff committee is overreacting a little bit to that loss that the Bobcats suffered. Uh, but at the same time, um, you know, I think that that kind of you know, played itself well for Montana State. They actually got a, a pretty decent draw get in the eight seed. But my, my point is, you know, having those big games uh, in October, I think is a lot better than having them uh, in November. And that is a good point about all the top teams are basically playing each other. Uh, you know, Sac State has had, well, I mean, I, I actually, I don't know if this narrative is, is, is especially true uh, that Sac State has, you know, they've gone 15 and one, in the last two fall seasons because they've had easy draws. And I actually looked this up uh, about a week ago, and Sac State has beaten Montana twice, UC Davis twice, Eastern Washington, and Montana State. And so it's not like they're, they've been beating up on the bottom of the league to go 15-1. and one. They've For had sure. some, some good wins. Yeah, I mean, they, yeah, in, in, 2000, so they, in 2019, Sacramento State was the only team in the history of the league 
to play Montana, Montana State, and Eastern Washington. It was actually in the other order. Eastern Washington, Montana State, and Montana. But the only team in the history of the league to play those three squads in order and win all three games. I mean, what else can you do? If you go beat those three teams right in a row, I think you're proving something. Yeah, and I think you have to give, and I wrote this too in my preview, in that the Sac State is kind of has kind of been that feel-good story in the FCS, you know, being an afterthought to now being, you know, a, a top-tier team. But I think that feel-good story is done now. You know, it, it's, it's good and all that, that you've won the big sky a couple times, but if you keep on losing right away in the playoffs, you know, eventually people are not are going to stop taking you uh, seriously. But I do think Sac State can get can get over that hump. But yeah, this year's schedule is a lot tougher for Sac State than it was last year. Um, and all of the top teams, like you said, Coulter, they, they all play each other. And so there's going to be some some great showdowns. Uh, I know a couple of them are going to be on national TV. Um, and I think and I think the Big Sky overall is just one of the more fun conferences when you have the different type of matchups and you have. I mean, I think there are six teams in the top 25. There's probably going to be six or seven teams battling for playoff spots. And so every week, there's, it seems like there's going to be one or two big matchups that, that's going to shift either the seeding discussion or just the overall playoff landscape. Sam Herter, the best around when it comes to covering FCS football on a national level. You can find all of his stuff at Hero Sports, now in association with MGM, Bet MGM. Sam, thanks for being here, man. We always appreciate talking to you, and uh, we'll catch up with you soon. Sounds good. Thank you, as always, for having me on. There's a lot of things that make Montana great, from the mountains and lakes to some of the finest towns in the West. But what really makes this place special is you. Our communities are full of people who are working hard to build good lives and remarkable things. At Opportunity Bank, our passion is helping folks do just that. Together, we can make a good thing even better. Opportunity Bank of Montana. Stop by and see us or visit us online. Member FDIC.